I'll bet you thought that when we got to the 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians, that there would just be a lot of sweet little comments and um, maybe hope your mom and them are doing well and we could just work through it very quickly. Not so. Remember that every word of scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed and it's here for a reason. And it's our responsibility to not miss anything. So today we're going to look at the 13th and 14th verses of 1 Corinthians 16. You'll remember that throughout 1 Corinthians, we've gotten a close-up look at the young Corinthian church. We have said that the church was in a mess, and it was a mess. And we've seen faulty behaviors and faulty theology and faulty priorities and faulty attitudes. And there was lovelessness, there was tolerance of sin, and it was out of deep love for these people that Paul rebuked them. Sometimes love carries rebuke. We want it to be correct. Paul wanted it to be right. He wanted them to be able to live within the blessings of God, which in order to do that, we have to be right before him. Well, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4 just for a second, since you're already there. And verse 14, let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 4, 14, he says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So Paul's not fussing at them. He's trying to help them. He's trying to grow them and get them to the place where they can be secure in who they are, be a wonderful witness, a testimony to the sinful community around them, and just give them peace. That's one of the marks of the Christian life. What, what can people look at us and say about Christ because of what they see in us? Well, as we come here to the conclusion of this letter in verses 13 and 14, Paul gives five imperatives. Now, Remember that an imperative sentence has uh, you as its understood subject. If I said, uh, drive me to town or go to the grocery store, the understood in that would be the subject of you. And you would know that I was talking to you. Well, here we are with five imperatives that Paul is giving that are so appropriate and for me, it was very convicting to work through them to see what these imperatives are. They're basically commands. They're not optional. They're not mere suggestions. This is what we're going to have to do if we're going to have a victorious Christian life and if we're going to be able to walk in peace and joy and security. And so Paul gives some great information here. There are five things. He says, be on the alert stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Now, he recognizes the perils that were surrounding the Corinthian church. Um, I think that in our society today, many of these perils are the same for churches, for us believers, because the culture that is around us is so different from what it was a number of years ago. 
But he's been, all of these 15 chapters pretty much, he's been telling them what not to do. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stop doing this. And so he's been pointing out where they have failed. And so now these commands are in many ways the positive statements of the negative ones that he's been making throughout the letter. So now he's making commands, imperatives, to help them know what to do instead of what not to do. So the first thing he says is be on the alert. Be on the alert. Uh, This is the New American Standard Bible, and that's what this says. I think King James may say something like, watch ye. Um, It could mean be awake. Um, So Paul is writing to people who are asleep spiritually. This was convicting to me, and it's frightening to me to know that we as believers can walk asleep, that we can be sleepwalking uh, as believers. They were not alert to what was going on in their own Christian lives, and they were not alert to what was going on in the church. They had fallen into wrong doctrine. They had fallen into wrong behavior because they weren't alert. They weren't paying attention. They weren't focused. If you tell me to be alert about something, I'm going to be watching for it. I'm going to have it on my mind. I'm going to be focused on it. Now, if you think back through the letter, back in chapter five and verse six, he said, don't you know that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Don't you know that you cannot fellowship with sin and it not touch you? Don't you know that? Don't you know that you cannot fellowship with sin in the church and it not have an effect on the church and on all the people there? Then in chapter 6 and verse 2, he says, Why are you allowing a pagan judge to take care of your legal matters? These are church matters. These are matters that you have been given the authority to correct. These are things that God has given you instruction about. Don't you know that you are the ones who are supposed to judge sin in your midst? Then uh, in chapter 6 and verse 5, he says, Is there nobody wise among you? And then in verse 16 of chapter 6, he says, Don't you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Verse 19, he says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Then he goes on down in chapter 8 and says, take heed. And in chapter 10, verse 12, he says, take heed. And then in chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And so he's working hard to change their thinking, to correct them. In chapter 15 and verse 34, he says, Awake to righteousness and stop sinning. Be awake to righteousness. Be alert. Be on the watch for righteousness. The New Testament says a lot about what we're to watch for, what we're to be alert to. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 are so important to know. And they're important for us today to know. He says this, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Think about that. 
The devil wants to eat you for lunch. He wants to devour you. And he is roaming, he's prowling about like a roaring lion seeking someone that he can consume, someone that he can attack, someone that he can steal from, kill, or destroy. I want to tell you a sister verse to that that helps me so much and that has helped me through the years. And it is 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9. And I, I think of it as a sister verse because here we are saying that the devil, your adversary, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. Now, perfect doesn't mean without flaw. Perfect means undivided. So what's this person, what's the Lord looking for? He's looking for somebody that's on the alert, somebody that's watching out. And so here is Satan roaming about, seeking to devour you while God's eyes are roaming to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong to those who are paying attention to him. Balancing verses. Mark chapter 14, verse 38, Jesus said, keep watching and praying that you may not come into temptation. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, the church at Sardis was apathetic and indifferent. And it had a name that it was alive, but it was so indifferent to, be, to, to spiritual things that it didn't realize it was dead. That's a bad situation when you're dead and don't know that you're dead. And so Jesus said, wake up. That's what these Corinthians are hearing for Paul. Wake up. Be on the alert. Be watchful. There are many warnings about false teachers. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 1 says, There will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. Second Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 5, They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Do you see any of that going on today? Just tell me what I want to hear. Make me feel what I want to feel. And so he says, be on the alert for any teaching that does not line up with God's word. We are to look at everything and hold it up against God's word to see if it meets the plumb, to see if it meets the straight line, the accuracy of scripture. Then he says in Matthew 24, be on the alert for you do not know which day your Lord is coming. So all through the New Testament, we have all of this instruction to be on the alert, to be focused, to be watchful. The Corinthians were not alert. They were not focused. And consequently, when that happens, they were victimized by Satan. When we're not watching out, being careful, then we are vulnerable to being 
devoured, to being attacked. And so they were overcome by temptation. Um, They were overcome by apathy and indifference. And they were victimized by false teachers because they weren't watching, because they weren't holding everything up to what they knew to be true. I still worry about them. My heart breaks that these people didn't have the word of God like we've got it. They had the Old Testament, but they're going to get this. They got this letter and that's what they had. Look how much more accountable we need to be that we're going to be because of what we have. And so Paul is telling them, you know, you've got to be careful. They were victimized by false teachers. They were victimized by prayerlessness. See, when we, when we participate in apathy and indifference and prayerlessness, and we just float along like everything's going to be all right. God is in control and we're not engaging ourselves with him. Then we're going to float away. We're going to float until we get to the place where we're not ready for the Lord's return. We're, we're, we're not powerful in our Christian lives where we don't have a testimony. So the Corinthians were there. And so God's word is the window through which you watch. God's word is the standard that we have to hold everything up to, everything that's said, everything that's taught, everything that's done, everything that's thought up to the standard of God's word. You know, we have a bureau of standards uh, in our nation. I I guess it's in Washington. I don't know for sure, but we've got a bureau of standards and what they've got in there is an exact yardstick or an exact 12 inch marker. And so if you ever really, really need to know if your yardstick is correct, you can hold it up to that standard and see if it's deviated from any way. That's what the word of God is for us. It's our standard. And everything's got to be held up to this word to know if it's right, to know if it's the way God thinks. And so we must not treat scripture like it means nothing. Scripture is not something for us to just know and be glad we know it and then float along like we didn't know it. It's got to be honored. If we don't stay in God's word regularly, then the things of the Lord are going to come, become vague. We'll forget. They'll become indefinite. And then we'll be indifferent and careless. And when we become indifferent and careless, then we become fresh meat for Satan to devour. Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Prayer opens our eyes to God's way and it strengthens us. Prayer is not some dutiful ritual that we just do every day because it's time to pray. Prayer is communion with God. It's fellowship with Him. It is conversation with Him. And so we commune with Him. We focus on His Word. And certainly, you know, we have to know the Word to be able to focus on it. Second thing he says is be firm. Be firm. Stand firm in the faith is what he literally says here. Stand fast, firm. 
in the faith. Now, the Corinthians were just blowing about with the breeze. Paul had taught them. He had started their church. And like the Ephesians, they were being carried about by every wind of doctrine. You know, we're living in a day where everybody's got an opinion and everybody can easily set himself or herself up as an expert. And so these Corinthians were listening to all of this stuff. They were not taking what they were hearing back to the standard of the Word of God. So they were in a mess. And, the, and they're not standing firm in the truth of the content of the gospel. Um, we're talking about sound doctrines. Doctrine is truth. Sound doctrines of God's Word, the truth of God's Word. They were not knowing it and grasping it and holding everything else up to that standard. Now, wrong belief produces wrong behavior. You can tell what a person believes by how he behaves. It's going to come out. The book of James uh, can be called the behavior of belief. And so we can look and see what's in a person's heart. Uh, you can hear what comes out of a person's mouth and know what's in that person's heart. You can watch what a person does and see what they really believe. So wrong belief produces wrong behavior. Now, in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, the, some of the people were saying uh, that Christianity is just foolishness. Um, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. And they were holding up human wisdom as their standard. The Corinthian church was accepting human wisdom on an equal basis with what God said. And they were choosing which that they wanted to obey, which one that they wanted to engage with. And so they mixed all of their human philosophies, all of this Greek thought, all of this culture, they mixed it with God's truth. And when we do that, we mar the Word of God. We mar the message of God. We mess it up. We take out of it the truth. We take out of it the power. And so there's a lot of culture around us today that's saying, yes, God's Word is true, but today, so there's a lot of opinion about what we might do today that's, well, you know, God, this is old-fashioned. You know, when you believe God's Word, you believe that right and wrong are not negotiable issues because God tells us what is right and what is wrong. And so the Corinthians were mixing paganism and Christianity, and what are they doing in the process? They're destroying the witness of Christianity. They're taking away the Word of God. This is the standard. We must not add to it. We must not take from it. This is what we use. And God says He's given to us right here everything we need to know for life and for godliness. This is your instruction manual. It ought to come with every baby born. And we do with the Bible sometimes what we do with the microwave instruction manual. Punch all the buttons that you can and see what you can figure out before you sit down and read the book. And sometimes 
If you just read the book to start with, it would have been a whole lot easier. That's what we need to do with God's Word. We read it first. This is the instruction manual. And so Paul says, stand firm. Stand firm in what God has said. Stand firm in who Jesus is. Know what God's Word says. Know who Jesus is. And do not veer from it one little bit to the right or to the left. Stand in it. The New Testament says a lot about being firm. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Stand fast or stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Be firm in your commitment to Christ. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says, Stand fast in one spirit. Be firm in unity. The body of Christ needs to stand in unity in the truths of God. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled again with legalism. Be firm in the liberty that Christ has given to you. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Be firm in the will of God. Ephesians chapter 6 says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. See, if we're going to be firm in the faith, we've got to be well taught in the word. I'm going to say that again. If we're going to be firm in the faith, we've got to be well taught in the word. We've got to know in a given situation if what we hear is true according to God's standard. We need to know if what we're about to do is an okay thing to do according to God's standard. So we've got to be well taught. We've got to be in the word so that we know what it says. Then we look at everything and judge everything by God's truths and God's standard. It's a plumb line that we set up in the midst of our lives to see if we're crooked. You know what a plumb line is? It's a string with a heavy weight on the bottom that gravity controls and it's perfectly 90 degrees from the ground, perpendicular, exactly. And that's what the Word of God is for us. It's a plumb line. Jesus is a plumb line. So everything is measured up against them to see, are we crooked? And if we're not, what do we do? He says, you're going to repent. You're going to get instruction from my Word so that you can bring yourself back into plumb with the truth of God and with the Lord Jesus. Number three, he says, act like men. Now, for those of us ladies, we need to think about this. What's he say? Remember that ladies didn't have a position in that time in history. They were um, most often used as objects and uh, they were not allowed to be educated, not allowed to be taught God's word. And um, so they were just there. And Jesus changed all of that. And we've done lessons on that before, but you just know that's not the way it is in God's Word today. It's not the way it was in the life of Jesus. But He's going to say, act like men. Well, what did He really mean like that? The King James says something we don't usually see. It says, quit you like men. Quit you like men. Well, to me, that means men quit. No, that's not what it's saying. It just simply means act like a man. Well, now, how are we going to act like a man? This is a reference to maturity. This is a reference to being mature and to um, the, the word, the original word carries with it the idea of courageous. 
Um, a mature person tends to be courageous. And the two kind of go together here. So there's this sense of control and confidence and courage in a mature person. Um, let me show you chapter 14. You're right there at it. So turn there with me and look at chapter 14 and verse 20. What's Paul said earlier? Brethren, do not be children in your thinking. That's what he's talking about. Do not be children in your thinking, yet in evil be babes, but in your thinking be mature. Be innocent as far as evil is concerned. But in your thinking about things of God in your life, be mature. Um, and so there's this sense of, of knowing God's word, of being mature. Also go back. Let me get you to just thumb back far enough to look in chapter 3 with me for just a second. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Remember what he said in the first two verses. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as fleshly ones, carnal ones, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Instead, even now you're not able to receive it. So Paul says, I have to keep feeding you milk. I have to deal with you like children. Even in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So when he says, act like a man, he's saying, don't be childish. Don't think like children. Don't act like children. Even the worship of the Corinthians, and we looked at it at length when we were earlier in the book, but even their worship was based on feelings and emotions rather than based on the truth of God's word. Paul says, grow up, grow up. How do we grow up? We all need to grow, don't we? How do we grow up? If we recognize that we're sometimes childish and, and we're sometimes immature in the faith, what do we do? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, Long for the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That you may grow thereby. The Bible is food. The Bible is food for the soul. The Bible is food for us to eat. It's not a weapon to beat somebody with. It is nourishment. It is truth. It is to build us up. You know, I've used this illustration before and I want to remind you that reading books about the Bible is not a bad thing, but it's not the same thing as reading the Bible. This word is God's living word, and it is meant to nourish our souls. For me to read the, a book about the Bible instead of reading the Bible is like going to a restaurant where I just read the menu and I don't eat. So if I do that, what's going to happen? 
I'm still going to be hungry. I'm not going to get any nourishment. Nothing good's going to come from just sitting, reading a menu and leaving. I can't just read a book about God's word and it have the same nourishment for me as the living word of God has. We've got to do that. It's a discipline. So we're going to long for the pure milk of the word that we may grow thereby. And so um, he says, be mature, be mature, grow up. Then number four, he says, be strengthened, be strengthened. Now this translation says, be strong. You probably have a translation that says, be strong but it literally says, be strengthened. Why would it do that? Because I can't make myself strong. I'm gonna have to be strengthened by God himself, by the Holy Spirit. Notice that this is the only passive verb here. Active verbs, act like men, um, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith. Those are things you do. A passive verb means something is done to you or for you. And so we need to be strengthened. He's careful here. Uh, The word, this same word in the original language is used of the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 2 in verse 40 where it says, And the child grew and became strong in spirit. The child grew and became strong in spirit. So this is a strengthening of the spirit. Um, It's a strong inner person that can overcome the flesh. In Ephesians chapter six and verse 10, Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's the only place we've got to be strong. That's the only place we can get strength is in the Lord, in the power of his might. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, he says, But thou, O man of God, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The Corinthians were not strong. Flesh ruled. Whatever the flesh wanted to do, that's what they did. So they were not strong in the Lord. They were weak in flesh. But they thought they were strong. Now that's scary that when God can look at us and see that we're weak, but we think we've got this, we've got this together. We're strong. Uh, Chapter 10 and verse 12, Paul said to them, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So in chapter four and verse six, Paul says, you're puffed up. In chapter 4 and verse 18, he said, you're puffed up. Chapter 5, verse 2, he says, you're puffed up. They thought more highly of themselves than they ought to think. And so only a truly strong spirit can successfully battle and overcome the flesh to know what it is to stand in the truth of God's word, to stand in God's commandments. The person who thinks he is strong in himself is the person who is in the greatest danger of falling. You can watch out. Real strength is from God 
by his spirit. Philippians 4.13, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who does what? Who strengthens me. Who strengthens me. we got to know where that strength comes from. So see, we're going to be alert. We're going to be focused on him. We're going to be in his word. We're going to stand firm in what he says. We're going to be mature. And then we can know the strength of the Lord and be strong in him. I just love Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. If you don't know it, memorize it. A great verse. It says, the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits. The people who know their God will be strong and do exploits, do great things, do things that are too hard for anybody else. Because why? They know the strength of the Lord. They're accessible to God and he can use them. Number five, be loving. Be loving. Verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 16, let all that you do be done in love. Love balances everything out. We know we, were, we worked carefully through 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter. But an attitude of love, the, the body of Christ is, is to be recognized by our love. The world will know we are Christians by our love. Love balances everything out. And he, where he said, be firm, love keeps us from being hard. Where he said, Be strong, be mature. It keeps us from being domineering. So love takes these things and mellows them down to where they are appropriate to the body of Christ. It keeps us gentle and compassionate. It keeps our doctrine from being dogmatic, from us always walking around pointing a finger to holding out a hand so that we always use the Word of God as food with which to feed hungry souls, not to take the Bible and go, wham! So love takes away our self-righteousness. We must never let our right living make us self-righteous. And love, once we do that, once love is true in us, then we're going to have the compassion for other people who don't know or maybe who do know and are not putting it together right. What are we going to do? Give them a hand to help them up, not stomp them. Corinthians were not loving. They were fighting with each other and suing each other. They were going to courts of law. They were full of lust. They were full of perversions and division. 
the strong ones were running over the weak ones. And they had an unloving approach to spiritual gifts. And so Paul says in chapter 13, and here again, love is what we need the most. Because love makes all the rest of it fit and articulate together. What about me? I spent time thinking about how, how am I like the Corinthians? How are we as a church like the Corinthians? How can I be alert? How can I be these things? How can I respond to these imperatives? Because these are incredibly victorious life principles that Paul is giving right here. So you know how I can be the, on the alert? By being in the Word. The Word is going to alert my mind and my spirit to what I encounter. So if I want to be alert, I'm going to be in the Word. You know how I can be firm? By knowing the Word. I know what it says. And there are going to be times people are going to say things to you. I've had people say things to me and you go, huh? A great question to ask is the question Jesus asks Satan. Where is it written? Where is it written? Show it to me. So I can be firm when I know God's word. How can I be mature? How can I grow up? All of us need to grow. We all need to grow up. How can I do that? Well, we saw it in Peter. He said, Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. It's all about the word of God. How I receive it, how I treat it, what I understand about it. We are denying ourselves when we can just flip through scripture and pick out a verse, not knowing the context, not knowing the circumstances. And we deny ourselves all of the things that God has for us. Things that will make us successful in this life. Things that will make life work. Because God is involved. How can I be strengthened? Psalm 27 and verse 14. Wait on the Lord. Now this doesn't mean waiting while patting your foot. This means trusting, wait, trusting, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. You know where your strength comes from? It comes from him. You can't get it for yourself. We have to access it by our relationship to him. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 says that we're to be strengthened by his spirit in the inner man. He strengthens us. He strengthens us by the Holy Spirit. As we yield our lives to Him, we're going to be strengthened. He will take care of that part. We will be strengthened as we yield ourselves to Him. So what this really says for us here in summary is if we get in the Word and submit to His Spirit, we are going to be alert, we'll be firm, we'll be mature, 
will be strengthened and love comes from the Lord to tie all of that together. First John chapter four, verse seven says, beloved, let us love one another. Now loving doesn't mean that I have good emotions towards you. Agape love is a choice of behavior. We saw that in chapter 13. Love is how I choose to behave toward you, whether I like you or not. And why do I do that? Because my alertness, my focus is on the Lord. It's not on you. And so he says, let us love one another for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You know how we know how to love? Because he first loved us. That's what love looks like. We can look at God and see what love looks like when we see what he has done for us. See, when I'm going to love somebody, regardless of what I think about them emotionally or regardless of whether or not I like them, I'm going to act toward their best good. I'm going to act toward their best good. And that is loving them. Some people want to say, well, if you do good things for somebody, you don't have good feelings for them. That's hypocritical. No. Where is it written? It's not here. While we were yet sinners. Do you think God liked us? Think God had good, warm, fuzzy feelings for us? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So as we're in this word and as we're careful with it, we can't treat it like it's just another idea. It's got to be food to us. It is life to us. And when it is that, we're going to be alert to what's going on in our Christian lives and in the church and in the world around us. We're going to know what God is saying. We're going to be firm in knowing, being committed to God's word and in who Jesus is. That means we're not going to let anybody change their minds about that. We're going to be mature. We're going to grow up. We're not going to be childish. We're not going to act like Christians. All of us always, the verb tenses are be about the business of growing. We will do that all of our lives so that we can just grow our way right on into heaven. We're going to be strengthened. And that love, when God's church is full of that, Jesus said, by this shall men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let's be eager to be in God's word. Let's walk it out. Just knowing it is not enough. We've got to do the word. We got to do the verse, not just know the verse. And when that begins to happen, the power of God can be released through us as his vessels, as the power of his word is released to all of our surroundings. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you again for your word. I just cannot imagine where we would be without it. I pray that we will understand the value, the riches 
that you have given to us in protecting this book, protecting this word throughout the centuries so that we could hold one in our hands. Most of us has, have several in our homes so that we can hear you speak to us and we know that you yourself through your Holy Spirit will speak to us through this word if we sit down and make ourselves available to you for you to do that. Would you make us hungry? Hungry for your word. And then would you bring us to that place where we can be effective in the world around us in this life because we are alert, because we are strong, because we are firm, because we are mature as we're growing. And oh Lord, fill us with a love that is undeniable and let us see the light snuff out the darkness that is around us. I'm so grateful to pray in the name that is above every name, the high and mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you. Amen.